Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer, one of the voices behind the CNBC podcast Squawk Pod. In these times of uncertainty, we want to make sure we're bringing you, our listeners, as much information as possible as quickly as we can. That's why we're sharing with you now a CNBC special report, Markets in Turmoil. Listen in. Good evening. I'm Scott Wapner on day 184 of the coronavirus crisis and tonight, the nation's top doctor with an alarming warning about the virus. I would not be surprised if we go up to 100,000 a day. The nation's top doctor urging Americans to do more to stop the virus. We're going in the wrong direction. Plus, is sports a pipe dream? Reports show three more players have tested positive. One NBA owner joins us live tonight. It's a new discovery. We have it totally under control. Absolutely, the Great Depression is on the table. Six months since the seeds of this pandemic began to sprout what we've learned, and where we are failing. This CNBC special report begins right now. Here's Scott Wapner. And welcome. It is good to have you with us on this Tuesday night. We begin with that dire forecast from Dr. Anthony Fauci, warning today that the outbreak is not under control. We are now having 40-plus thousand new cases a day. I would not be surprised if we go up to 100,000 a day if this does not turn around, and so I am very concerned. Congregation at a bar inside is bad news. We really got to stop that right now when you have areas that are surging like we see right now. When we shut down as a nation, in reality, only about 50% of the nation shut down with regard to other things that were allowed. In many of the European countries, 90, 95% of all activities were shut down. So that is one of the reasons why you saw, particularly in Italy, which shut down to a much greater extent than we did, the cases came way down in a sharp curve downward and then stayed. Dr. Scott Gottlieb is a CNBC contributor, the former head of the FDA. Dr. Gottlieb, it's good to see you again. That is a dire warning from Dr. Fauci tonight. Do you agree with his assessment? I do. I and mean, we're in difficult circumstance right now with cases spreading in the South in many states. And we're seeing um, what appears to be exponential growth without a real clear backstop. We're probably going to eclipse 50,000 diagnosed cases a day at some point later this week and could get well into the 50,000 to 60,000 range in t- terms of the new cases that get diagnosed on Thursday and Friday when we're probably going to hit the peak number of infections. There's sort of a cyclical pattern to infections every week where it comes down on, on, over the weekend into Monday because of reporting, and then you see it go back up towards the end of the week. Um, but make no mistake, we're having probably 400 to 500,000 new infections a day right now. What Dr. Fauci's talking about is the number of cases that are actually diagnosed. But we're only diagnosing probably one in 10 infections nationally. That's what CDC has said. And in the epidemic states, we're probably diagnosing a little less than that because the diagnostic capabilities are getting pressed right now. So we're probably having 400,000 to 500,000 new infections a day nationally, 
um, right now and diagnosing about 40 to 50,000 of them. How much of this is because states reopened too soon? Well, clearly that's some of what's going on. We reopened against the backdrop of a lot of spread. And so you had a lot of cases. You reopened against that backdrop. I think that there was some hope that there would be a seasonal effect here and that would be a backstop against continued spread. But when you reopen and you're having thousands of cases a day and we reopened against the backdrop of 20,000 cases a day, there's only one way to go and you're going to increase the number of cases. We knew cases were going to go up. I think what we didn't expect was this scope of outbreaks and epidemics in these states. And remember, these are chains of transmission that were lit weeks ago. Um, this, these chains of transmission started six weeks ago, four weeks ago. So this isn't a recent surge in new infections. This has been building for some time. And now we're seeing the manifestations of it in terms of people presenting to hospitals for health care. Another record-setting day in Texas, almost 7,000 cases there. Miami-Dade now has a positivity rate of 17.7%. That's alarming evidence of a massive spread going on there. What does it say, Dr. Gottlieb, that we're still unable to deal with this virus? It's a difficult virus. I mean, you know, we're going to get to either herd immunity or a vaccine. It's going to be difficult to get this under control because the whole trajectory as we get into the fall is going to make it even more difficult. And so even if we would implement very vigorous measures right now in these states in the south, it's going to take a number of weeks before you would get it under control. We're not taking those measures. So what we're dependent upon is the collective action of individual people really starting to be more vigilant. But absent that, if we take some level of infection like this into the fall, it collides with flu season and you start to confound the ability to diagnose COVID because people are now presenting with flu, this is only going to go up. And so the doubling time right now nationally is under 40 days, the epidemic doubling time, the cumulative incidence. And so if you keep doubling at that rate, you double every 40 days, every 30 days, eventually you get to a level of spread where it starts to decline just because that many people have been infected. And hopefully we can preserve life in that setting. Um, we are getting a lot better at treating that. So that's the good news. We are preserving more life. Uh, but a lot of people are going to have to get infected between now and then. How much of this has to do with the, the fact that there was an unwillingness not only to wear masks, but the fact that the mask issue was politicized in and of itself. Now you have uh, some folks coming out and suggesting we should wear a mask, but is it too little too late? The virus, as you said, has already been spreading in these places, especially in the South, that South for weeks. Well, it's never too late. If we can get adherence to masks right now, more universal adherence, we can get better quality masks into the hands of particularly vulnerable people, that could have a real impact on this. And the, the, the literature is mixed on this, but most of the studies I've looked at this show that if you have universal masking, you can reduce the R below one. There's some, some uh, articles that say you can't, a lot that say you can, but it certainly is going to have an impact on the epidemic. Look, we mandate seatbelts in this country, um, largely to protect passengers and to lower insurance rates. I don't know why we can't mandate masks in the setting of a pandemic. We can do this. The first thing that needs to happen, though, is CDC needs to change its guidance. Right now on the CDC website, it says that you should wear a mask when you can't socially distance. We should say you should wear a mask whenever you go out into a public setting where you might be in a circumstance where you can't socially distance. We should recommend universal masking. So what the officials have been saying in many cases is consistent with what the CDC guidance says. The CDC guidance really needs to change at this point. Goldman Sachs today on that very issue said today that a national mask mandate could preserve 5% of GDP. That's a significant number. Look, this would probably have to be done at the state level. I'm not sure what the authority would be 
to do it federally, but the CDC can issue federal guidance and then the states can adopt that. But you're seeing some states start to tip over that were resistant initially and start to recommend universal masking. They can put in place laws that mandate it. They don't need to find people. Governors talk about, well, we're going to have to arrest people and find people. No, we won't. You can give people a warning. You can, you know, allow businesses to decline service, deny service, allow public venues to deny entry if people don't have masks, if the ordinance is in place. So there's ways you can do this that are short of finding people or locking people up like they're doing in Singapore. Um, I think we can do this. I think we're going to need to do it. We're going to end up doing this probably. Hopefully we don't do it too late. Governor DeSantis in Florida today said there was no turning back, that they weren't going to shut things down again. Are we going to come to the point where governors in some of these states with the hottest of hot spots are going to be forced to shut things down again? I think they're going to be resistant to doing that. I think I think the governor means it. And I think other governors are in a similar place. They don't want to reshut businesses. But the reality is schools aren't going to open if you have this level of spread. National chains are going to shut their locations in, in regions where there's a lot of spread. Local businesses are going to make decisions to do that. Customers aren't, not, uh, customers aren't going to show up. Businesses are going to have to close because they don't have enough customers coming. You can't run a business with the 20 to 30-year-olds who are willing to go out in a setting of an epidemic spread. If you can't get customers above the age of 40 or 50, you can't run a business in many cases. So remember, the shutdowns before, the, the governments came in and crafted policies around what was already happening. The local school districts were already closing in, in April. Businesses were already shutting. The NBA shut down games. So we, the, the politicians came in and crafted rules that interpreted what was going on and sort of codified it. That's, that could happen again. I mean, this could just be sort of consumer-led and business-led. The other big piece of news today, and you said this was a possibility weeks ago, Dr. Gottlieb, the EU barring Americans from entering. You're not surprised by this announcement? No, I think, unfortunately, other countries are going to do it, too. And, and we're going to be in the very unusual circumstance for perhaps the first time. Um, I can't think of a real proxy for this where Americans can't travel abroad, um, where we can't go into countries. So I would expect other parts of the world to also put in place similar rules. And we have to ask ourselves, are we going to impose reciprocal restrictions on travel? If, we're, if we have 400,000, 500,000 infections a day, we're diagnosing 40,000, 50,000 infections a day because that's our screening capacity – why would we bar travelers from, you know, the United Kingdom where the prevalence is much lower because, you know, a dozen people or a couple dozen people might come in with infection when we already have so much infection here? So it's going to be an interesting um, evolution going into the summer and the fall, whether or not we want to impose reciprocal restrictions and deny ourselves those uh, that business at a time that we already have a lot of infection here. The reality is people are going to be reluctant to travel here anyway, as long as this epidemic is raging. Now, I'll ask you to stay with me. I want to discuss another milestone right now. Six months to the day now since the World Health Organization became aware of a mysterious virus in Wuhan, China. Here's how this terrible story has evolved since then. This is a novel coronavirus, and um, it's a new discovery. So identifying... Uh, the pathogen was done swiftly. We have it totally under control. It's one person coming in from China, and we have it under control. It's uh, going to be just fine. China's efforts to contain the outbreak at the epicenter have been essential for preventing the further spread of the virus. We have contained this. We have contained this. I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight. When you have 15 people, and the 15 within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero. 
that's a pretty good job we've done. They would like to have the people come off. I'd rather have the people stay, but I'd go with them. I told them to make the final decision. I would rather because I like the numbers being where they are. I don't need to have the numbers double because of one ship. Closing things like malls and theaters in places like Seattle, canceling large events in places where we know there's active community transmission, I think that makes eminent sense. This is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. All you had to do is look at other countries. Absolutely, the Great Depression is on the table. This, my friends, is the moment. In this situation, there are no red states and there are no blue states and there are no red casualties and there are no blue casualties. It's red, white and blue. More than one million confirmed cases of COVID-19 have now been reported to WHO. You got a lot of people in your profession who waxed poetically for weeks and weeks about how Florida was going to be just like New York. Wait two weeks, Florida's going to be next. Just like Italy, wait two weeks. Well, hell, we're eight weeks away from that, and it hasn't happened. We have flattened the curve. Florida's done a truly remarkable job here because the people of Florida stepped up. Your governor, your administration stepped up. You implemented the guidance, not just for nursing homes, but for every American. When you do testing to that extent, you're going to find more people. You're going to find more cases. So I said to my people, slow the testing down, please. The Nasdaq Composite closing at a new all-time high. We're going in the wrong direction if you look at the curves of the new cases. So we've really got to do something about that, and we need to do it quickly. Short answer to the question is that clearly we are not in total control right now. uh, Dr. Fauci just today. And following those first cases in China, investors saw their livelihoods plummet. The Dow had its worst point drop in history during March. And despite the growing death toll, markets made a comeback following the lows. But what comes next is uncertain as states halt their reopenings and brace for even more cases ahead. Dr. Gottlieb, I turn back to you to ask you the question of how did we get here? How does a country with 5% of the global population end up with 25% of the cases and 25% of the world's deaths? We got heavily seeded with infection um, on the first go around. We underestimated the the virus itself. We weren't prepared for it. Um, And then we reopened against the backdrop of a lot of spread. We wanted to get on with our activity. We were uniquely American. We wanted to do things. We wanted to go out. And that wasn't the right thing to be doing. We needed to take this uh, more slowly. So now we have uh, a new epidemic to contend with. You know, we find ourselves at a really hard moment. In In some respects, we're a lot stronger than we were the first go around. We have better testing better treatments. We're able to preserve life in the hospitals, better awareness. People know how to protect themselves. They know how to wear masks. But in some respects, we're weaker as well. We've gone through a difficult economic period. Businesses were shut. It's going to be very difficult to implement the kinds of mitigation we were able to do the first time, a second time around, and impose this back on individuals, businesses, children who have to miss school now. So we're in a more difficult position to endure the same things that we had to endure in April and May. That said, we, we have made incredible technological strides when it comes to therapeutics and a, a vaccine, that race for a vaccine that we have so often discussed on this program. Where are we on that tonight, on the same day now that the FDA says they'll require proof the virus vaccine is effective before approving its use and that treatment would need to be at least 50 percent more effective than placebo in preventing disease? Can you explain that exactly what that means for our viewers? 
Well, they're talking about the uh, the vaccine's ability to prevent COVID disease, not prevent coronavirus infection, but prevent COVID disease, prevent pe- people who are getting infected from developing symptomatic disease, COVID pneumonia. And they're, they are saying that it has to reduce the um, probability that you would develop COVID in, disease by at least 50 percent. They might stick to that. They might back away from that sort of hard metric. I think it's a barometer that they've put out. Uh, Last year, the influenza vaccine was only 39 percent effective. So we've seen seasons where the influenza vaccine is only 30, 40 percent effective at preventing influenza like illness. And so we'll see how the vaccines turn out. I think if you have a vaccine that demonstrates safety, you have a pretty good safety database, but it's only 30 or 40 percent effective at preventing covid disease. And that's all you have. That's a vaccine I think you'd want to deploy. So we'll see where this ends up. I think they're going to have to look at efficacy in the context of safety and in the context of what's happening, whether or not we have an epidemic. Remember, we're going to eventually get to herd immunity. If we continue on our current rate of spread in this country, it doesn't get any better, but it doesn't get any worse. We'll reach a level of immunity come the late fall, winter, where this will stop transferring as efficiently because the people who are most vulnerable to it and are most likely to get it will have already gotten it. And the people who, will, who aren't infected yet are people who either have some immunity against it, some cross immunity from another coronavirus that they've had, or they just don't interact that much in a way that makes them vulnerable to infection. Let's do a couple of Twitter questions, Dr. Gottlieb, if we could. Uh, our, our audience is as interested as, as ever in speaking with you. And we've discussed some of the restrictions that uh, countries have, have placed on the United States. And You've said maybe more coming. But what would you advise about international travel this summer? Look, I think you can travel on a plane and protect yourself with a high quality mask, with being very mindful of what you're doing on the plane, what you're touching, all the the steps in between getting on the plane and getting off the plane, because that creates vulnerability. But the longer the flight is, the harder it is to adhere to those measures. And so when you're going on a long international trip, it's higher risk. Um, So I think people need to weigh that very carefully. Quite frankly, I I think there's not going to be too many places to go um, for the duration of this epidemic in the United States, because I think these travel restrictions are likely to stay in place. And we've even seen, you know, more states, certainly in the Northeast, put their own travel restrictions on for other states and people coming in uh, from those other hotspots. Let me ask you one more, if I could. We've seen the death rate drop over the last two weeks. Could we see that tick up over the next 30 days because of the spike in cases or has the therapeutic treatment become a lot more efficient, effective? So let's just distinguish mortality rate from the number of deaths. The mortality rate is definitely going down, even though we haven't really measured it yet. So people who get covid disease, we're saving more of those people. And, and it might be substantial, the improvement in outcomes given steroids, blood thinners, remdesivir, changes in how we practice medicine and intubate patients. But the total number of deaths has come down because the number of infections has come down and partially because we're preserving more life. We're going to see that go back up. I wouldn't be surprised in the next two weeks to see the number of deaths reported on a daily basis go up over a thousand again. We're still the death rate is probably still coming down. But the reality is so many people are getting hospitalized and admitted to the intensive care unit that we're going to see more deaths accrue as a result. Tragically. Appreciate your time, as always. I know our viewers do as well. Dr. Gottlieb, thank you. Talk to Dr. Gottlieb Thanks a lot. again tomorrow evening. Reports today that three more NBA players from the New Orleans Pelicans have now tested positive for COVID-19. It comes after Nets center DeAndre Jordan was infected as well. Mark Lazary is the chairman and CEO of Avenue Capital, also the co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. He's back with us live tonight. Mark, it's good to see you. 
My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Wonder what you're thinking about these new cases that we're seeing. We did hear from the commissioner today, which I'll get to in a minute. But is there a chance that this whole thing could fall apart before it even gets started? I don't think so. Look, uh, this whole thing we are testing. And the reason we're testing the players is to make sure that, you know, if they have the virus um, to end up sort of quarantine. So the whole idea is to provide a safe environment to sort of create like an Olympic village and have everybody go there. So, you know, that that's the goal. And hopefully we'll be able to do that. Today, Commissioner Silver, I referenced the comments uh, that he gave in an interview with Time magazine. He said, quote, our model was designed for this, reacting to what he's seeing in terms of these positive tests. Uh, But when the plan obviously was designed, Mark, we didn't know about all of these spiking cases uh, down in Florida and Orlando being one of the hottest hotspots. Yeah, that's correct. But at the end of the day, everybody's, you know, whether it's Florida or wherever you're going to have it, um, you know, the players are going into a bubble. So um, that's why we sort of think it's going to be very safe for everybody. Um, And we've made sure that in essence, um, you know, the people who are going there have been tested and don't have any issues. So I think everything's going to be fine. I've asked you this, you know, weekly when you appear with me on the halftime report of, of what your players are saying. And that, frankly, the situation is change, changing so often. I, I don't mind asking you that, that question again. Are you hearing anything differently from your own players? No, nothing yet. I think our players still want to go down there. Um, I think everybody is excited to start playing again. So, um, so far, um, I think we're leaving July 8th or 9th to get down there. Um, and everybody's excited about playing. Commissioner said a significant number of cases would, would mean that they would cancel. Do, do you have any indication in terms of what that means? What, what number would put things over the edge, so to speak, and force a cancellation? I don't. I mean, that, that's going to be up to Adam. I think Adam has done an absolutely great job on this. So I think all the owners are looking to Adam to sort of lead us. Um, and, you know, make sure everything is fine. Like you were a basketball fan long before you were the owner of this franchise, Mark. I'm just just sort of wondering what you're thinking about yourself uh, as the steward of a professional sports franchise at a time like this. Look, I think for us, the most important thing is to make sure everybody's going to be safe. Um, The good news so far is it seems that, especially for professional athletes, that if they get this, their symptoms are pretty mild. And hopefully that continues. Um, But I think right now, as long as we can keep everybody safe and, you know, the goal is to hopefully be able to play basketball, um, at least for the Bucs, to hopefully win a championship. And how how do you think about the issue of fans being able to come back at at some point? Certainly not this year. It seems uh, highly unlikely, obviously, given the scenario and the bubble situation down in in Orlando. Um, I'm looking at a a poll that we do as a states of play uh, poll, it says 70 percent of people uh, say that it's unsafe to attend a large indoor sports event. Um, the public's been traumatized by this. I, I would agree with that. I think today it is. So um, I think we're going to restart the season, hopefully in December um, or January. But a lot of that is going to be, um, is it going to be safe? And I think that's the top priority of the NBA. So maybe fans come and you're you're coming, but you're coming and you're wearing a mask. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. I mean, the, I think we're taking it one day at a time and we'll try to figure that out. Um, 
as time goes on. And I think we're going to learn quite a bit because you're going to have baseball, you're going to have football. Um, you've got other sports that are going to be starting and are going to try to do it with fans. So we'll see what ends up happening. It's going to be interesting to watch. That's for sure. Mark, I appreciate your time as always. I'll catch up always. with you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Take that, care. You as well. That's Mark Lazary, chairman, CEO of Avenue Capital, also the co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. There's a lot more ahead tonight on our special report. Arizona says close. He says no. Next, a business owner's fight against his state. He just filed a lawsuit and joins us live. We're certainly trying to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And inside one town's contagion zone, dozens who entered got sick. Then the state stepped in. See what they did next. First, our country on Tuesday night, June 30th, 2020. the horizon for financial markets at pgim it's a question that over 1400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals specialized across asset classes but united in collaboration our teams provide global and local expertise our investments shape tomorrow today pursue your tomorrow with pgim a leading global asset manager No, I don't take responsibility at all because we were given a, uh, a set of circumstances and we were given rules, regulations and specifications from a different time. We're back on day 184 of the crisis. Here are some more headlines on the virus tonight. Consumer confidence in June rose more than expected as lockdowns were eased. The United Auto Workers Union wants General Motors to temporarily close its SUV plant in Arlington, Texas, due to the spike in cases in that state. And Senate Democrats will try to pass a bill tonight extending the Paycheck Protection Program. It is set to expire today. As virus cases grow in the state of Arizona, that state's governor is rolling back openings there, and that includes gyms. Tom Hatton owns Mountainside Fitness. The company has 18 locations. He was furious, and tonight he is suing. He is with us. Tom, welcome. Scott, thank you for having me on. Why are you suing the governor? Well, we feel like, uh, you know, we've already been through one closing in, but more importantly, the arbitrary nature of the decision uh, without any fair warning or any proof as to why gyms, fitness centers were included in this particular closing um, is basically why we're doing it. It's impossible for us to function forward without clarity and direction uh, in these types of decisions. Arizona had a record number of cases today, Tom, as I'm I'm sure you know. Uh, Bars are included in this as well as theaters. 200 Planet Fitness members may have been uh, infected in the state of West Virginia from one person at their gym. Don't you see gyms as a place carrying extraordinarily high risk because of the nature of what they are? Actually, I don't. I feel like it's somewhat the opposite. One thing with with fitness centers is we have members, not customers. And what that means is we're able to control social distancing and the way we function 
as we open and each day through having various cardio machines shut down certain spots in group fitness rooms and then in the strength floor. So it's, it's unlike most other businesses and in just included like a Safeway or a Home Depot, they have customers and it's very difficult to control where they are in an aisle. We are able to do that. How many people did you have in your gym at a single time before it was shut down again? Uh, we're at 50% capacity with social distancing. That's about what it is at each facility. Yeah, and were you requiring masks? We, uh, we're suggesting masks, and the problem with requiring it is depends on each individual's health needs. We're wearing a mask, uh, some wear it. We, we are in favor of that. We even provide them if they ask. Uh, we are not requiring it. We are requiring our staff to wear them, however. The, the problem is, is that hasn't been working, right? We know that just suggesting the wearing of masks and people going to bars and other closed in areas with the air conditioning on hasn't been working. Well, well, I look at it and say, we don't have any proof that what's causing this or if it's fitness centers that are causing it. And what my stance was and why we filed the suit today was without that, every business is at risk. We have no proof. We don't have it. We're just subjecting uh, opinions to it arbitrarily. And, and we can't have that as a society, certainly as a business community. We have to have more clarity in that, uh, not just speculation. Will you comply with the state's order? We haven't. We stayed open today. You did. And you're not worried about either, either what message that sends or the risk that you're putting on your own members? Well, as I said about the risk, I feel like that's been answered. As far as what the message says, it's about what our leadership is doing and how we can function together without any communication or warning. This decision was made the governor of our state said, by the way, fitness centers are going to be included with tubing in our salt river or theaters that aren't currently open. So to say that's the cause of what everything's happening, they're not closing restaurants. They're not closing large gathering areas. Like I said, Home Depot or Walmart, they're specifically choosing a business that is able to control social distancing. Unlike the other ones I've mentioned. How about your employees? How do they feel about all of this? Well, I feel they are very strong. We, we had 98% return when we were mandated to shut down the first time. We have not received any uh, PPP because we were uh, over 500 employees, we had 1,500 employees. Um, I think they stand pretty strong because everybody showed up to work today. Yeah. Have you had any positive tests either from your, your staff or any of your members that you know of? Well, we've had some staff, very few, and we were able to quarantine those staff, notify the people they were working with, and then uh, have, we paid for their testing. But, but uniquely, unlike some of the, the speculation out there, we've had a very small uh, group of that with a 1,500 member our employee base. I know, but isn't one too many? As I said, Arizona had a record number of cases today, Tom. Yeah, but it's not saying that it's coming from us. If that's the case, and I, and, and I don't disagree with you, Scott, but I urge the governor said, are you going to just choose tipped businesses out of a hat or are you going to treat this as a whole united front and shut everybody down? Because I also agree with you. But to come back and say it's one business without proof, especially when we can control how they function in the, the day, that's, that is not acceptable, which is why we filed the suit today. But clearly it's a business that carries risk if some of your members have tested positive in the past. You know what? Walking around on this earth is carrying risk right now, Scott. Going to the gas station is carrying risk. I bet you if you went into Home Depot, that's going to carry risk as well. So I, I don't want to get into that debate. 
Um, you know, we've made our decision and we stand behind why and we're just going to move forward in it. Do you think you'll win the case? I hope so. I have no idea. I'm going to trust in the system. I think we've done a really good job of, of the complaint and the argument and it's the why. Uh, we're not trying to single out particular our business, but certainly the industry, but the arbitrary nature in which the governor chose and how he did it and what the evidence is behind it. My fear is, Scott, every business is at risk for this type of decision. It's not the situation about the virus. We all understand the virus. In fact, my company, when we were closed, we donated $100,000 to the Arizona COVID relief fund. We were the one of the testing sites for all antibodies for thousands of Arizonas. We uh, gave wipes to Banner Hospital. We get the problem. We're trying to work with the governor's office and we set the protocols to open back up, to have this decision come back so randomly, so arbitrarily, it's not just about fitness. It's about all business and leadership and how we're going forward with this virus. We'll see what happens with your case. I appreciate you making your case on this program tonight. Tom, thank you. Scott, thanks for having me. All right. You'd be well. That's Tom Hatton, Mountainside Fitness out in Arizona. Here's what's coming up next on this CNBC special report. We kind of had to put the brakes on and find out how do we stop this? What do we do? A hot spot traced back to a bar. Dozens sick. See what the state did about it next. That's two minutes away. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. There's no magic bullet. There's no magic vaccine or therapy. It's just behaviors. After a virus surge, Delaware announcing it would shut down bars and beach towns indefinitely. This week, restaurants in Dewey and Rehoboth Beach turned into testing sites after an outbreak there. Here's the owner of the Starboard, Steve Montgomery, in his own words. Being young at the beach, part of being young is uh, when you go home from work at nights, you're in your group house. And you're likely having a party. We have a lot of kids that work for us. Some of them are coming in and not feeling well. Well, you know, dominoes effects here. It's no surprise. Send them home, get them tested. And then every other day, we were starting to get one or two more people. And we're, we kind of had to put the brakes on and find out, how do we stop this? What do we do? Well, we had the public health come in. They checked all of our procedures, protocols, everything we were doing 
was spot on. Next question was, what do we do next to kind of stop our staff, you know, from spreading this? We first started by bringing in to test our whole staff on Friday this past week. And on Monday, we just, we kept our business closed. We did over two, between 2,000 and 3,000 tests for our entire community. The lines were for seven hours long. They moved it really well, and they did a fantastic job of getting virtually everybody they could tested. You know, we all want to get back to business. We know that. We know it's a difficult situation right now, but we're certainly trying to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. That was Steve Montgomery in his own words tonight. Dr. David Tam is president and CEO of BB Healthcare along the Delaware coast. He's helping turn some restaurants into testing centers, joins us now. Uh, Dr. Tam, it's good to see you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Scott. What's going on down there? What are you seeing? Well, we're seeing an increase in the positivity percentage of people with COVID-19. So that's out of 100 people, a certain percentage of people are positive, and that percentage rate is going up. So it's simply not just because we're doing more tests. That suggests spread is what you're saying. Yes, that is true. And given your role in the healthcare system there, how is the healthcare system dealing with this? Well, you know, the healthcare system has done a great job of managing the initial surge, which we really peaked at the end of April, the beginning of May. We've been in what we call the recovery phase. As you know, hospitals around the country have suffered uh, as a result of not getting the business that we need to do to take care of patients. So we are in the financial recovery phase, but we're also taking care of patients that had to wait for their procedures and surgeries for two months till we got to this point in early June where we were opening. And so what we are doing right now in the hospital and health system is taking care of those patients. But we also recognize that as the summer turns warmer and as people get out and enjoy the sunshine and the very beautiful amenities here in uh, Sussex County, that this percentage is going up. And we want to keep the curve flat, Scott, which is why we have partnered with the Delaware Restaurant Association to do as much testing as possible, starting with the restaurant industry. It's a very interesting idea. Um, Take me through that. How's it working? We're literally talking about restaurants or bars that have been closed down now being used and approved as uh, testing sites. Well, so you heard about uh, I know you just talked to Steve Montgomery, good friend of mine. And as a result of what happened last week, we've been in contact with multiple restaurants and the Delaware Restaurant Association as how BB Healthcare can help them with more testing. And so on Monday, after one day of preparation, Uh, We started testing people at one of our restaurants, but brought in everybody in the restaurant industry. We'll do another testing site on Wednesday. Now, the focus is to make sure that we test as many restaurant employees as possible. As Scott, uh, I'm sorry, as Steve shared with you, these uh, the employees are young. They're usually asymptomatic, and we want to get as many people tested so we know the baseline of who's infected and who's not. The ones that are infected then are quarantined and treated as, we, as, as much as we need to. And then what we'll do is develop a surveillance process, uh, Scott, because we need to keep an eye on them uh, as we go through the rest of the summer to make sure that they are safe and that the uh, uh, population as well as the employees in the restaurants uh, are taken care of. Do you have the, the, the manpower, so to speak? Uh, to, to do the contact tracing that you need to have done in the surveillance program that you just outlined? Well, there's a difference, I think, between the surveillance program and the contact tracing. And you're absolutely right about that, Scott. When I say surveillance, I mean that when you test everybody that you can, you then need to follow that up periodically with uh, some sampling size of people to make sure that the number of positives in those communities are not going up. That would be the early warning indicator that that restaurant 
or that owner or that industry needs to do something to take a look? Is it something to do with maybe a slippage of mask wearing or physical distancing or something to that extent? That uh, the tracking that you're calling, you know, the the, uh, the tracing is a little bit different. That's where the Division of Public Health gets these positive results and then goes out and talks to everybody who's been positive as to who else they were with, were they at a party, were they in uh, a group home or something like that, and then they follow up with testing those people. So when I say surveillance, I'm talking about an industry-specific approach to making sure the employees are as safe as possible. Understood. I'm glad you explained that. Um, I'm curious, before I let you go, uh, Dr. Tam, as a physician, when you hear Dr. Fauci today with the dire warning that he gave and talk about the possibility of 100,000 cases per day, if not more, in the United States, what do you think? Well, you know, first, uh, when I was in the Navy, I had the pleasure uh, and privilege of one, one time meeting Dr. Fauci, and he's a great guy. And, you know, I believe that he's doing what's right for the, uh, for the country. As far as I am concerned, you know, I came from California from a big system because I wanted to be the CEO of a local community nonprofit health system that supports just this area of the country, of the world. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that our people are safe, that we protect and preserve our quality of life by making sure we do the scientifically and medically correct thing and make sure that our hospital is prepared in case there is a surge of increased activity. Yeah, we appreciate everything you're doing and certainly spending the time with us. Dr. Tam, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Scott. All right, you be well. Enjoy the holiday you weekend too, sir. as well. It's Dr. David Tam down in Delaware for us. Here's what's coming up next. Let's knock these orders out today. Let's get them all done. The big guys. We're able to get protection and fight back with scale against the virus. What about the thousands of smaller grocery stores millions depend on? First, our world on the 184th day of this global pandemic. What is, we should ask, the purpose of federal government, if not to protect its citizens and to address the issue of social responsibility at a time of great need? With no end to the pandemic in sight, fears over the nation's food supply remain in focus. Tonight at 10 Eastern and Pacific, CNBC presents Supermarket Shock, a look at how everyone from major chains to local grocers are preparing for the worst. My name is Jose Philippe. I'm the co-owner of Nourishell Farms along with my partner, Jesus Diaz. Our first opening day was January 17th of this year. Opening a new business is very, very challenging as it is. Most new businesses fail. I was going to work my best and hardest to keep it going. Working 15, 16, 17 hours a day, opening and closing, turning around the next morning, getting here at 6 in the morning to receive a delivery. There was a lull. 
after grand opening for a couple of weeks. And then the rumors and the chatter about this virus being spread overseas. This morning, the Chinese city at the center of this epidemic is on lockdown. Virtually nobody allowed to leave. It was a day where I got a shipment of sanitizer and a local newspaper reporter put it online that we had and we had a rush and it sold out in about two hours. Designation of America's first containment zone now in a Westchester County community. We were just outside the quarantine zone. It's definitely a game changer for us. And people started to come in and just buy loads of, of product, of anything they could store. Let's, let's knock these orders out today. Let's get them all done. I've been blessed with my family, my children that have come and helped me in this situation. It seems like when I get up in the morning, it's dark. It's always dark when I'm getting home. The only light I really see is uh, I'm blessed to have uh, my mother. Uh, she's uh, 85 years old. And no matter what time I come home at night, um, my mother waits for me and uh, insists that I have a meal with her. I'm really blessed to have my mother help me through this i hope you'll watch our full documentary tonight supermarket shock crisis in america's food supply premieres tonight 10 eastern and pacific right here on cnbc tonight's top stories and our nightly salute to america's restaurants are next Now is the time, depending upon where you are and what your situation is, is to begin to seriously looking at reopening the economy, reopening the country to try and get back to some degree of normal. On day 184 of the coronavirus crisis, here are the latest headlines tonight. White House health advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci warning the U.S. could see new cases of the virus top 100,000 per day. The FDA says in order to win regulatory approval, any COVID vaccine must be at least 50 percent more effective than a placebo. Stocks rally to close out their best quarter since 1987. Take a look at futures right now. We are red across the board. Time for the five restaurants in our nightly shout out those operating in the face of this crisis. Franco's Metro in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Grand Morsi in New York City. Sweet Soul Food in New Orleans, the Creole Kitchen in Columbus, Ohio, and the Southern Grill in Jacksonville, Florida. You can tweet me at Scott Wapner, CNBC, with the hashtag Thanks for the Grub, with the name and town of your favorite restaurant. Send us a picture as well, and we'll get it on TV. You can go to CNBC.com all night long for up-to-the-minute information on the markets and the virus. We're back tomorrow at 5 a.m. With Worldwide Exchange and 7 p.m. for Markets in Turmoil. I'll see you at noon on the halftime report for all of us at CNBC. I'm Scott Wapner. Stay safe. Shark Tank is next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.